Our scripture today is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan with ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. We don't usually say this, but uh, sometimes it's good to say it. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So this morning we're um, continuing our series uh, on, on broken good news for tough times. And we're working our way through Romans chapter 8 whilst stopping every now and again to look at examples of people who were sharing the good news even during times that are really tough. Uh, like last week, uh, my brother Josh shared about street preaching his way through the towns and the valleys of South Wales, and we heard stories of demonic manifestations and miraculous phone calls and screaming, satanic Bibles and other incredible happenings uh, in the valleys of South Wales. Why does that matter to us? Uh, Because whatever's going on in South Wales in the UK is also likely to be going on in the Ottawa Valley as well. So the challenges and the opportunities that exist in Wales also exist here in Canada. And this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago with uh, uh, at Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Um, and to help us review uh, Romans 8, 1 through 11. 1, 2, 3. There we go. All right. Thank you, Cody. Um, Romans 8, 1 through 11. And if that happens again, please let me know. 
but Romans 8, 1 through 11 showed us how we can locate ourselves in Christ using three phrases. And the first phrase to help us locate ourselves is, in Christ I am not condemned. The second phrase was, in Christ sin is condemned. And third, in Christ, because I am not condemned and sin is condemned, I'm free to live accordingly. Uh, live like I am not condemned and live like sin is condemned. And so last time we located ourselves in Christ and what I kind of said is that regardless of the circumstances around us or what's happening, we can always locate ourselves using these three phrases. Now this morning we're going to locate ourselves, but we're going to locate ourselves instead in the tension that we experience of children of God, if you are a child of God, living in a world that's under the governance of Satan, our enemy. What is it to live as a child of God in a broken world? And these tensions are often expressed through many questions that we ask, right? If God is on the throne, then why do bad things happen? If God is on the throne, why do I feel unsettled in my spirit? If I'm part of God's family, why do I struggle with sadness or depression or a longing that I can't quite put my finger on? And we're going to spend some time looking at these conflicting feelings and thoughts this morning. What is the good news for tough times that we can hold on to? And just so that you know where we're heading, I'll be regularly circling back to a phrase throughout this teaching that says this, in Christ we are, we, we are fully adopted, but we're not yet home. Um, in Christ we are, we are fully adopted, but we're not yet home. Just wondering, Cody, if maybe I should switch across to the other mic, or is this okay? I'll just go across. And then I won't be thinking about it, and you won't be thinking about it. It's, we're having a little bit of a click going on there, but that won't affect our online. Uh, so here we go. Check one through. Check one, two, one, two. Yep, there we go. All right, so our phrase once again, why don't we read it all together? In Christ, we're fully adopted, but not yet home. Okay, fully adopted. And of course, if you can see, you know, the typo that was intentional just so you pay attention, so it annoys you for the rest of the sermon, because that's going to show up on every slide, I think. So I'm just glad that I'm facing there and not there, otherwise I'd be thinking, what is this pastor up to? Doesn't he check his spelling? Apparently not. So, uh, and if you hadn't noticed, now you will, so it's going to annoy you regardless, so uh, you're welcome. In Christ, we are fully adopted, but we're not yet home, which is good news for tough times. And this leads us to where our text kicks off this morning, and it says this, Romans 8 verse 12, so then brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, so that we can put these verses in their context, let's maybe back up a little bit to where we ended last week. Verse 11 says this, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life 
through his spirit who lives in you. That's where we wrapped up our sermon last, or not last week, but the week before last. And this leads us to this uh, phrase at the start of verse 12 that says, so then. And of course, whenever there's a so then or a therefore, it's always um, referring back to something. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the logic here is that because the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and will ultimately raise our mortal bodies to life eternal, we're no longer obligated to live life according to the flesh. And this is saying not just that you shouldn't sin, and we all know that you shouldn't sin, and we say that you shouldn't sin, but this isn't saying that you shouldn't sin. This is that saying that there's no, no obligation for you to sin, meaning that you don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to sin. The New Living Translation makes it even more clear. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation yeah, to do what your sinful nature urges you, you to. Now, we're, as you can see, there's uh, notes there on the screen because we live in a world where you're repeatedly told that what you want to do or what your inclinations are or who you are or where you are maybe orientated towards, that that is the most important thing about you. Nothing else matters except that. And in the current wisdom of this world in which we live, and the country where we live, Romans 8 verse 12 is actually rewritten, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have a clear obligation yeah, to do what, what your sinful nature, actually scratch that, what your true nature urges you to do, and that's from the New Canadian Translation. And so in this world, in the world of the New Canadian Translation, the most honest thing that you can do is to be true to who you are, which is another way of saying that you have an obligation to live according to the flesh. You must do what your flesh says. If your flesh says that you are to do this, then you have to obey, which is nonsense. Because how, how do I know this? Because the times when I do whatever I want is the times when I feel most enslaved. And the times when I do whatever my flesh wants is the time when I feel stuck and I feel dirty and I feel lost. But the good news of the gospel is that that's not true. Whether it's anger or sexuality or lust or jealousy or greed or pride, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, then Romans 8 tells us that you don't have to do what it says. You can say no. You're in a new family and there are new rules. You were in the household of flesh where everyone did what they wanted to because maybe they thought that the only way that they could live the life that they wanted to was, was to give in to their fleshly desires. But now, if you're in Christ, you are located in the household of the Spirit. You have changed household. There's a new home, a new household, a new family, and new rules. Not only to the flesh, or not anymore to live according to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. There's another principle at work in your life. 
Your life has been put upside up or right side up. You can see clearly, you can make sense of life. Or in the words of our text today, you have been adopted. Now, of course, that's not to say that you never have a struggle. And lots of the things which I've just mentioned, there are many layers, many complexities. And so I'm not saying that life is simple. All that I'm saying is you don't have to live according to the flesh anymore. You don't have that obligation. Now, we have a video, I think, um, which if we can play it, it should be under the sermon. Is it there? Okay. Uh, okay, it's in the... It, it, it's in the... Where all the videos are. Yeah, thank you. In the place where the videos are. What is that? Yes. Isn't that why I have an administrator to read my mind? I don't know what the word is. The place where the videos are in the media file. It should be uh, an interview. If you can't find... There we go. Uh, So these are my cousins from way down south in North Carolina. You'll notice the accents. They've adopted three children, which I think is fantastic. Uh, So why did you choose to adopt? For a couple different reasons. One, we were never successful in getting pregnant. And two, at the same time, we had some friends in church who had already adopted internationally from Russia. And so we saw how um, their family was and heard their stories of adoption and just thought, hey, why don't we just try that? Because there's so many um, orphaned children in the world that need families. And and, and at the same time, I was on a mission trip yeah. in Mexico. And um, it was these two kind of orphaned girls there that attended the church that we were helping. After finding out they were orphans, that, you know, God just kind of used that moment to say, okay, what you're going to go do. Okay. Before he left, I sprung. Think about international adoption yeah. while you're on the trip. Our, our friends had adopted from Russia. We were initially thinking, let's go Russia. Um, but we just prayed on it and prayed on it. And God kept pulling us to Ukraine. And at that time, you nobody knew about Ukraine. I mean, it's not like in the news like it was now it's 21 years ago. So just felt drawn to it and as we pursued it started researching it it just kind of everything just kind of fell in place we painted the kids room um one was like a light teal and the other one was uh yellow and then we were watching the olympics and a ukrainian athlete popped up and we saw the ukrainian flag for the first time really and was like hey that's that's the color of the ukrainian flag i think that that's something we need to go with it so we're on the right path you go through they call it like a paperwork pregnancy for example to prove who you are you'd have to have your birth certificate they'd have to be certified by the state you live in and then it'd have to be certified by our u.s government and then we'd have to get it certified by our embassy prove that we were citizens and that it, every document had to be certified um a very specific way so it was a lot of work and visits from social workers to make sure that our home was okay for children that we were okay they did histories on us talked about our families it was a lot of Um, almost interrogation it felt like at times, but it was a lot of hoops to jump through. (laughs) 
in Ukraine, they brought us directly to the orphanage and we were, I don't know, would you say barely walked the door and they handed us Jacob and said, here's your child. I was like, oh, oh, okay, I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, so I just sat down with him on my lap. So it was kind of a surreal moment. It didn't really feel like we were parents yet. Um, and and it's, we, we started to wait like a week, week and a half for all the paperwork to happen before the, the court proceeding could occur where he was legally our child and we could take him out of the orphanage so we visited him daily there yeah we would have go out in the in the yard and have like little picnics with him and play on the playground and so i would say definitely by the end of that week yeah. we felt like this is definitely our child and ready to go with china yeah with the girls is so different um they bring the child to you in the hotel room and by this time we'd seen pictures of them in ukraine we hadn't even seen jacob um until we got into the country but before we went to China, they sent us pictures that we had to approve and say, yes, we'll, we'll accept this. We're not going to say no. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've been waiting for so long. We waited nine months until we saw Jacob and Julia was about 12, would you say? About 12 months from paperwork start to child in your arms. And Jenna was two years from starting the paperwork to child in arms. So it was different. Um, and Julia, Julia had a foster mom and the foster mom brought us, brought her to us. And I'm wanting to grab her and hold her and play with her, at, but the foster mom's there and clearly they're bonded. It's mom and daughter, it felt like. Um, so when the moment was for us to leave that room, it, it actually felt like I was taking someone else's child away from them, um, which mm -hmm. was kind of bizarre. So it took a few days to actually, for, for Julia especially, to to come oh, go oh, get over that kind of trauma. She didn't want to have anything to do with me while I was in China. Julia took a little bit longer because that was a different situation. With Jenna, I think when they, it's the same thing, you go into a room and they bring you the baby. Um, and we had like 10 families there too, I think, or maybe less. They brought her in and I had sent pictures and had sent letters and things. So when I saw her, I recognized her right away. And I think she had a glimmer of recognition with me too. And she didn't cry when they handed her to me, like all the other babies usually cry when they're handed over to their new parents. And she, she didn't cry, she actually smiled a little bit. So. Jenna, we clicked really quickly and it was like, yep, this is my girl. And yeah, she's mine. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, let's get done. I think um, it's just a real world personal example of, uh, of adoption. And when you think of it in the terms of our Christian walk and our Christian life and, and God lifting us, it, you know, we can look at our family and kind of see that as a small picture of what that looks like. So. Um, so it, it has helped kind of broaden that uh, understanding of our adoption into God's family. I mean, and you know, once we got them home, there was no question that they were our child. I mean, it was just like coming home from the hospital for us. Um, we had a room ready. We had family waiting for it. It was different. We were in an airport and not a hospital, but it, you know, we still had family greeting us and balloons and hugs and cheers. And well, Jacob looks like us, but um, our girls don't look like us. Um, but there's no Honestly, we don't think about it, that they're different because they're not. They're just our kids. Thank you very much to Krista and to Michael for being willing to share some of their uh, story with us. And thank you to Nathan as well for making that happen. There's lots of really good stuff in that interview, but my favorite line has to be that one at the end um, where where Krista says, honestly, we don't think about it, that they're different, because they're not, they're just our kids. 
Each of the Kruger kids has their own adoption story, what was involved in the process, how long it took, what were the roadblocks, what was required, etc. And each of us have our stories of how we came to Christ. Last week, Josh shared about um, our testimonies and how sometimes if we don't think that our testimony is exciting enough, then we feel that we've missed out. And that's not true. Whether our adoption into God's family took days or weeks or months or years, whether we were adopted out of a war zone into God's family or from a peaceful Christ-honoring family. The fact is that we are adopted. We are in a new family. And just like Krista and Michael's kids, God doesn't look at us and see us as weird or different or strange or not like him because we're not. We're just his kids. We're God's kids. And I know that some of you are still on the journey and haven't given God the go-ahead to go through the adoption process with you yet. Uh, You don't have an adoption story yet. You're still in the children's home or you're still in the system. Maybe you have trust issues or you misunderstand Father God's offer or maybe you're enjoying yourself and you don't really feel the the need of, 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 of really being adopted by him. But all I want you to know is that if you are in the process that God is waiting and he's ready and he's already signed his side of the adoption papers. He's just waiting for you to sign yours. Romans 8.14 For for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. So what does it mean for, for us to be adopted by God? What does it mean to be a child of God? Well, first of all, it means that the worst is behind you. You are in a new family. There are new rules. You, you have a new, a new principle inside you. You have a new last name. You, you have the Holy Spirit who lives inside you and confirms with you that you are God's child. And so whether it's the lying voice of Satan or even our own insecurities, sometimes we can doubt that we're God's children. Hands up if you've ever had a doubt that you're God's child okay it happens more than we think Um, but for those of us who are adopted and who doubt that's where the Holy Spirit comes in you see our adoption into God's family isn't just about getting us into the family it's also about getting God's family into us it's about re reordering our affections as people used to say it's about changing our wants and our desires so the things you used to want to do you no longer want to anymore and the one who does that is the holy spirit so as we move into god's family yeah the holy spirit moves into us and again paul uses this contrast of the before and now to drive his um main 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 point home he says you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear that's not the spirit that you received you see when we allow fear to run our lives when we're constantly you know questioning whether those adoption papers were actually signed by almighty god then we're not living in the fullness of the adoption experience that god has for us maybe i can put it like this let's say that there are two 
sons, uh, maybe brothers who are adopted into a family and the process has happened and um, it's, it's already happened, it's a done deal. And one child knows that they are loved and they go to mummy and to daddy every day and they get hugs and they find that there's that sense of safety there. They love their new last name um, and they rejoice in their new standing. However, the other child has been so hurt by what life has thrown at them in their past that they never truly settle into their parents' love. They don't feel it like their biological Yes, sibling does. They question it. They doubt it. And there are times when they look in their mirror and they say, how could anyone love you? You were damaged goods. And they might even be you know, tempted to run away and to try things out there again on the streets or at least where things make sense, where they know that at least folks out there are honest as they try to rob you blind. But the thing is, out on the street, they still own their new last name. They are, they are still adopted. In fact, you could say that even out on the street, that that sibling is, is just as adopted as their sibling who stayed in the family home. There is no difference, legally speaking. However, their experience is absolutely different. It is ruined. And the same goes for the children of God. Some of his children are so settled into the family, they know that they're loved and they know that they're safe, but others of God's children, even though they are just as adopted, they are just as safe, just as loved, just as secured in Christ, they don't feel it. They doubt it and they question it. And if this is you, if you are in Christ this morning, but you doubt and question whether God truly loves you, then Romans 8 verse 15 is for you. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And maybe what you need to do is to seek some counseling or to re-encounter the love of God experienced through the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure of what the answer is. But ask him to show you through his word, what is true about you, and not just to know it's true, but to reckon on it as true, to rely on it, to truly experience it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the power, you know, to, to name your Father God by his name, you know, to say Abba, Father, because God is Abba, and he's not your Abba because you've earned it, he's your Abba because he loves you, and in Christ you can say that as an adopted child of God, the worst is in the past. The worst is behind you. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us for the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. The worst is behind you. The worst is in the past and the best is yet to come. You are totally adopted, 100% adopted, but you're not yet home. And Paul talks about home as the glory that is, that is yet to be revealed. This is an incredible sentence because what Paul is saying is that the only way that you can imagine how good heaven is going to be 
is by recognizing how bad it is right now. You know, the best way for us to, to imagine heaven and to wrap our heads around what the new heavens and the new earth will be like is not by thinking of the best things that we have now, family or sex or money or security or our possessions, and then multiplying that by a million. That's not the best way to imagine heaven. The best way for us to imagine heaven is by remembering the worst thing that you've experienced. The, the loneliness, or the hunger, or the sickness, or the loss, or the dissatisfaction, or the neglect, or the abuse, or the rejection. To think about that. Think about how bad that made you feel. Think about that ache in your heart that is still there. Think about you know, the tears that you, you still shed when there's no one around. Think about that and feel that. Now invert it. Imagine the opposite. Imagine the depths of despair that you feel with the suffering of this world and those sufferings that are unique to your situation. And then, and then you know, turn it over and imagine what the positive equivalent is. And then multiply that by infinity. That's how good it's going to be. Your suffering will not come even close. They are not worth you know, comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed. And I take a lot of comfort in this because it shows us that God understands that this life on earth is not a walk through a rose garden, but it's actually largely suffering. And it's the suffering that stands out in our memories. I'm so much faster to remember the bad times than I am the good times. And so God uses this natural human instinct as a rule of thumb to start imagining how good heaven's going to be, how good home will finally be. Friends in Christ were adopted, but were not yet home. And while we wait to go home, while we wait for that final flight that will bring us to our forever home, we are unsettled. In fact, everything is unsettled. As verse number 20 says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from, from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning altogether with labor, with labor pains until now. The worst is behind us and the best is before us and we're in the middle. Look around an airport, what do you see? You see people who are generally making the best of a bad situation. No one wants to be there. No one wants to be in the airport. Last year, when I, flow, uh, when I flew home from my mission trip over in Cambodia, I was in Incheon Airport in South Korea for 12 whole hours. I arrived at 6.45 on Thursday, the 20th of October, 2022, and I flew out at 6.40 on exactly the same day, the 20th of October 2022. So I arrived at this time and I flew out at exactly the same time, only 24 hours later, but it was the same moment. Meaning that I'd been there, you know, for 12 hours, plus there was 12 hours time zone change, which meant that 
I'd lost 24 hours. I left the same moment exactly that I arrived, which is weird. And while I was there, I was not home. And I knew it, but I needed to be in the airport in order to get home. And while we're waiting here on earth, we're in this you know, temporary um, holding area, this kind of weird limbo um, status that everyone feels, that all of creation feels. It says that creation was subjected to futility. To futility. You see, when, when Adam and Eve, our forebears, sinned, and sin entered the world, Genesis makes it clear that creation stopped working as it should. The order was marred, it was broken, it was damaged. And so creation, ever since that moment, knows instinctively that this is not how it should be, that everything is not okay now. And so we look at the garbage in the oceans and we look at the invasive plant species and we look at the rainforests being, being ruined and we look you know, at the climate change and the floods over in, over in Halifax and the forest fires upon, um, right across our country and we look at the overcrowding and the millions of people who are barely making it through life and we look at the human trafficking and the starvation and the wars and the resources that are lacking. And what we're hearing at that moment is we're hearing the earth groan. The earth is groaning in labor pains, waiting for the new birth, for the rebirth of creation itself. And we groan also. Verse number 23 says it's not only that, but we also, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. We're adopted, but we're not yet home. And the best is before us, the worst is behind us, and we're caught in the middle, and creation knows it, and we know it. We're in the airport, we're unsettled, all of creation is unsettled. No one wants to be in the airport, we all want to be home. But the thing is that some of us have set up camp in the airport, and we've started to lay foundations in the airport. You know, we're like that guy um, in the movie Terminal who lives in the airport but if we've made our home in the airport then where is our hope and what hope can we really offer those around us friends we feel uneasy we feel unsettled we long for everything to be made right we long for justice to be served and that's okay because we're in the airport yes we're adopted and we don't need to fall, fall back into fear because our papers are signed. Yes, we are going to our forever home, which will be so incredible. It will make the suffering of this present time look like nothing, but we're not yet there. We're here. We're, we're in the airport. We're waiting for our connecting flight. We're eating airport food. We're trying to make ourselves comfortable, you know, on the benches, trying to weave yourself around all the you know the handholds we're breathing the airport air that makes us feel rather icky inside and sometimes it feels like our homeward flight is delayed and delayed and delayed and we're getting anxious and we're getting 
antsy. And that's okay because you're not supposed to make the airport your home. That's not what the airport is there for. But your new family is with you. Father God is holding your hand. And brother Jesus is right next to you. And the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And your brothers and sisters are all around you in the airport. And as you look around you know, the airport, you see the people and the lost people and the broken people trying to set up home in the airport because that's all they think there is. That's what this world is. People fooled into thinking that the airport is their final destination. But you know better because you're adopted and the worst is behind you and you're going home so the best is in front of you. And you know the best secret of all, that as you're in the middle, that God wants to adopt as many people right there in that airport as he can so that he can bring them home. So that they too can know that the worst is behind them and the best is in front of them. And that they're in the middle and they can say that creation knows it and, and, and I know it. But regardless, I'm now waiting in hope so that they can know the joy of being 100% adopted, even if they're not quite home yet. Now, in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. And so during this last song, we're going to do something a little bit different. On the ends of the pews are pieces of paper and pens. And on the piece of paper, it says, Certificate of Adoption. And so if you're part of God's family, even if you, you doubt it sometimes, if you know, if you have the witness of the Spirit that you are part of God's family, if you've placed your trust in Jesus and you're living for Him, then on those days when you doubt or you question, or things start to feel a little heavier than normal, then as we sing this last song, I encourage you to take that certificate of adoption and to fill your name in. somewhere, And, and then to leave it somewhere that you will read it, either in your Bible or on a mirror. And when you see it, when you read it, that you are reminded that you are part of God's, God's wonderful family. And then you can see it and you can simply thank him. Or you can actually memorize that Bible verse to shore you up on those hard times. Now, of course, this isn't a legal document, so if you don't know Christ yet, just signing your name won't magically make it so, um, but it's a symbol. And if, if you don't yet know that God is your Father, then I would encourage you to take it home and to get real with Him, to ask him to make you part of his family, his household, to place your trust in Jesus, and then to tell someone about it, and then you can write your name in the blank space.